Thomas Saul once said, economics is concerned with what emerges, not what anyone intended. Keep this in mind as I discuss today whether the Chinese economy is stumbling as real estate troubles deepen and how that may impact China geopolitically and economically. My name is Dr. David Waralu and you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. So here's the question for you. Is China's economy in trouble? Is it slowing down? There are a lot of conversation among think tanks, economists, geopolitical analysts as to whether global recession is hitting China's market. So today, I am going to provide you insights into what I see going on in China, economically speaking, and how recent economic data provides us insight into what lies ahead for China's economic trajectory. So, let me start first with the discussing the most recent collection of China's economic data. So if we look at July, like what you see on the graphs over here, if you look at July's data on retail sales, industrial production, and fixed asset investments, the data has missed most economists' expectations across the board. So I am here to provide you answers to the best of my ability as what did most analysts get wrong about China's economic recovery if there is one to begin with. I focus my discussion today on two key data points. One is retail sales and two is fixed asset investments. So doing a deep dive into this topic, which by the way, Took, uh, took quite a while to finalize, I came up with two conclusions. One is, the first one is, thanks is to go with it in the sense that many assume that consumers' demand for products and services will be there as the lockdowns were easing. And the reality is that mobility, especially when we talk about within the cities, it's known as intra-city mobility has worsened across major cities in China. Why is that, you may ask? Because restrictions remain not, of course, as much as it was in April and May, but more so than in June. So the lockdown, the restrictions that China implied, end up hurting its economy. There is a worsening in mobility. And as a result, this worsening in mobility and that harming retail sales, okay? This is on the retail sales aspects. The second point is the fixed asset investments. And once again, analysts got this one wrong, which is, is that the real estate demise in China, especially with what's going on with Evergrande, which was basically last summer, will not come back in full speed or full force. And I remember we did a video on this topic a few months ago about the Evergrande. And back then we argued that will the government of China uh, sort of bail out Evergrande? They said maybe, maybe not, but most likely it will not let Evergrande collapses. 
And that's exactly what is happening. So here's the thing. Evergrande's restructuring proposal, which came, by the way, last month, as China's property sector is a key pillar for the economy. So this sector has stumbled, especially mainly the Evergrande. It stumbled from one crisis to the next. So the sector has been seeing a series of debt defaults by cash-squeezed developers. But it is coming through also mortgage boycotts because you have now Chinese citizens, some of them, not all of course, boycotting the payments of mortgages. And this, in my opinion, could be more dangerous than defaults of developers. The reason being is because they are more widespread, those mortgages defaults, they are more widespread and more important to banks' balance sheets. So, that leads us to the basic question. Could this also explain why a few months ago, several cities in mainland China were showing very variety of signs? There were a lot of signs of restrictions on cash withdrawals. As a matter of fact, some banks uh, limit the withdrawal amount to no more than $150. And others, other banks, limit the number of withdrawals. Meanwhile, depositors had to wait in a long lines to withdraw their money. That's very problematic when you see in signs like that about the health of the financial economy. So this phenomenon has occurred more frequently since April after depositors at many rural banks in Hainan province encountered difficulties in withdrawing their money. So they have been fighting since then to retrieve their savings. That's very, very concerning. So here is what's interesting, is that when I was doing the research about some China's financial policies in recent months, I always like to go back a few months to see what the government's, the policies that the government implemented and so forth, just to see where the trends are headed. Only to find out that there was a major new banking regulation earlier this year that China or Beijing decided on implementing. And basically this regulation suggests that as of March 1st of this year, uh, there are and were some restrictions on bank deposits and withdrawals with an amount of over 50,000 yuan, which is the equivalency of about $7,500. Furthermore, the bank must verify and understand what the money is used for, which I find very ironic. You know. Interestingly, we have a similar approach right here in the United States. You can withdraw more than $5,000 a day from your bank account. I experienced that myself and I found it very alarming. It's your money and yet the bank deciding how much to withdraw. So that becomes the question, is it safe to leave your money in a bank? And what will happen if the financial sector collapses? What happened to your money? Because we saw this in Lebanon and we saw what happened. So now, you may ask yourself the question, and this question that is, which is a fair question. Why haven't we, at Geopolitics in Conflict, provided this analysis sooner, a few weeks ago? It is a fair question. And here is the answer. The answer lies in ensuring the accuracy of the information. 
As you know, the mainstream media and even some YouTube channels nowadays are all about who is first, not who is right and accurate in his or her analysis. While we are not a media outlet, our objective at Geopolitics in Conflict show is to educate our viewers by providing accurate, reliable, and trustworthy information. Here is another aspect regarding the China's economy that uh, uh, needs to be addressed. I found it very interesting and concerning at the same time is the job data regarding employment. We've looked at, the, at this thus far. And what I found was that recently, Tencent, which is a, a tech giant in China, had, has laid off more than 5,000 employees, which is roughly about 5% of its total workforce. I wonder, as you should, if investors should be concerned about China's tech giant future growth trajectory. Because remember, Tencent is a $370 billion Chinese tech giant. The first time he posts uh, uh, its revenue, this quarter was in a decline. And I have a link for you at the bottom of the description where we found this information. And now comes the elephant in the room. And you know what it is? It's the problem in the property market sector, known as real estate. It seems to me that the real estate market in China is facing a final fallout. We saw this dramatic wave of public defiance as Chinese homeowners in more than 100 cities threatened or started protests refusing to repay loans on their unfinished projects. And this, of course, begs the question, Will China allow property market giants like Evergrande to collapse? Analysts have warned that China is embarking on a specific policy or adopting a specific policy, a policy of build, pause, demolish, and repeat, which is a strategy as Chinese officials seek to restrict supply to avoid the plunge in, into the housing prices and, of course, boost economic activity through more constructions. I'll let you be the judge of that. Is it a good policy? Is it a bad policy? But it has been revealed that around the 3 billion square meters of housing has been put on pause or demolished in recent years. Stopping properties reaching the, the market. It is enough. Here's the interesting thing. This destruction of this or the demolition of these buildings, whatever, it is enough to house 75 million people, more than the entire population of the United Kingdom. And we provide you a link as to where we, find, we found this information. Well, if that was the intention, it is taking a year or so since we did the last video about Evergrande. So my guess is that isn't really the intention so far of the Chinese government to let Evergrande or any other collapses. Because here is the thing, they could have already let it go. The Chinese government could have already let it go if it decided to do so. But Beijing made the decision not to allow the collapse of the Evergrande and others. 
And the reason is simple. Evergrande has basically only defaulted on at least, or at least has not made payments because this is just a bond default. It's offshore bond holders. You may ask, okay, what this has to do with what's going on internally inside China? Because here's the thing. The bulk of the loans that Evergrande is using is pre-sales. 80% of developers' funding, including Evergrande, comes from pre-sales. These uh, pre-sales, which is basically households prepaying partially through a mortgage, but also they can also be paying through their savings for property that has not been built yet. That is where the core of the issue is. And by the way, if you are wondering, this, this pre-sales, this pre-sales, which were uh, sort of crucial for any developer, not only Evergrande, you know, are not happening anymore in China. China kind of put a cap onto that. And that's what you have even much more reputable and certainly with a better financial standing developers, such as there's one company called Country Garden. Now, Country Garden is a property development company based in Guangdong, China, and is owned by uh, Yang, I, I'm going to try to pronounce this last name, uh, uh, J.O. Chang family. My, my apologies if I mispronounced the last name here. So basically, having to be supported by a Chinese bond insurance company. So you can see where the problem is. So it's not only about Evergrande anymore. What most financial analysts from around the world are eager to know now, as you may also, is what will Chinese government do now? And the reality is this. Households in China do not want to put the money up front anymore. So in this case, China is hard-pressed to figure out what the next step is. When I say China, China, I'm referring to the government. That is, what the next step is, sooner than later. And the reason is that with these economic troubles, can investors balance the risks and the ROI, the return on an investment of the Chinese market at this point? Answering this question basically will have to do with two things, with who you are and where you are. Said differently, if you operate onshore and that's your sort of universe of investments, given that China keeps draconian controls on outflows, then I think you need to go for what I call counter-cyclical sectors. Like, for example, energy utilities, state-owned, dominated sectors. You know, those are energy and utilities and, and, and the equivalency. Those are state-owned sectors. But if you are a foreign investor and you want to jump into Chinese assets, I think you really need to play it very, very safe at this point. I think the high-yield market, which was the darling of many investors looking for yield, for yield, is over because it was so dominated by the real estate sectors. It would be fair to say it's not over forever. 
It's not over yet, sort of. But it is over for a while. And I guess that's where we are today. So here's my conclusion for you before I leave you with today's question. Where do we go from here? Or where does China go from here? Is anybody's guess. While China was the world's fastest growing major economy for years, it has slowed down structurally. And to make things worse, its strict zero COVID policy has increased the troubles for China. Chinese GDP contracted on a quarterly basis in the second quarter of 2022, even though it managed to edge out a 0.14% annual growth. And we will provide you a link for uh, this, uh, their stats, where we get that from. So here's a question for you that I would like you to, uh, put, to answer it if you like to. And I will uh, check out the uh, comment uh, section. So considering China's economic data that I just shared with you, do you think China will risk its economy by going to a war over Taiwan? Let me, let me repeat the question. Considering China's economic data that I just shared with you today, do you think China will risk its economy by going to a war over Taiwan? So make sure you leave me a comment at the comment sections and I will read it later on. As always, prepare yourself for a changing world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.